Welcome back to the 20th and Blake podcast from Mile High Sports. Uh, as always, presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, today, I wanted to break down a couple different things. Uh, the first of which, wanted to go over a little bit of the current state of the Rockies, uh, a signing that they made, and um, another point that I wanted to discuss. And then uh, after, after the break, I wanted to talk about uh, just some events happening around the league and uh, the awards that were just handed out. So uh, without further ado, I uh, just wanted to talk about the first of all, the signing of Brian Godalig. Now, uh, this was a minor league deal that the Rockies just made. Um, and Brian Gonzalez is, uh, he's not bad. I mean, he's never pitched above double A, so it's very hard to evaluate him and how he will perform against major league talent. Uh, and even if he will be on the team next year, but you know, again, it's a, it's a minor league signing. It's low risk, maybe somewhat of a reward. I mean, I'm not sure what we all thought Daniel Bard was going to be last year, uh, but he ended up becoming a, a pretty high reward type of signing. Uh, but again, I mean, Brian Gonzalez has never pitched above double A, and even in double A, he was never terribly stellar. Uh, he ended up finishing his last double A season uh, because the, the minor league he didn't play this year. Uh, his last double A season uh, with a 4.32 ERA, so fairly pedestrian. That was over the course of 41 and two thirds innings. Um, he allowed 33 hits, walked 11, struck out 35, so. Uh, basically a one to three walk to strikeout ratio, and that's not bad. Uh, that's that's not bad. I think if he can maintain a figure like that, uh, it I, that wouldn't be a bad sign. It's just a question as to whether he can continue that strikeout rate at the major league level. Uh, he recorded a walk to hit per innings pitched of 1.06. Again, that's actually not bad. That's pretty solid. That uh, might suggest that he's a little bit better than that 4.32 ERA, but again, that was a double A, so uh, we'll see how how he performs against uh, higher level hitting. So in double A appears, he was used as a multi inning reliever. He pitched in 18 games, um, but you know through 41 two thirds innings, he actually started a game and he recorded one save. So he was kind of a a multi tool of a reliever. So you know with the Rockies needing more lefties out of the bullpen. I mean, last year, the only guy that they really had that they used as a lefty was uh, James Pazos. I know they had Philip Deal as well, but, you know, he wasn't really a fully developed guy. Um, and, you know, maybe he can be next season. Maybe he can be a contributor. But I, I think, you know, if you look at Brian Gonzalez, uh, he has filled that role before. He's pretty versatile. Again, he was used as a multi-inning guy. Um, he was used in the late game. He started a game, so he has the endurance to go multiple innings. Uh, it, looks, it looks like he has, you know, at least decent enough stuff to pitch later innings. I think initially, I'm not sure how long, how much of a uh, commitment the Rockies have to this guy, but I mean, there's there's at least some promise here. So, if added to the roster next season, uh, he's that rare lefty that's going to come out. I'm not sure if Pazos is really returning if they're going to keep him around or not so uh, Gonzalez will probably be that rare lefty he'll throw some middle innings low leverage guy and some additional depth if he pans out great and uh, you know throw him in some more high leverage situations but at this point it's not really not really 
likely that someone like Brian Gonzalez will contribute at a very high level immediately. Again, this guy's never really pitched above double A. So we'll see how, how it goes for him and uh, how this this signing pans out. And it's, a, it's a very classic Rockies low, uh, low risk, low reward type of move. Um, again, it's really kind of signaling, I think, the direction that the Rockies have decided to take again with this offseason. Uh, I talked about the letter that Dick Monfort issued a couple weeks ago, and that was talking about the state of the offseason and how he said it wouldn't be a normal offseason. And they're probably a little bit too financially strapped to make any major signings. So I'd expect more small signings like this, uh, some more minor league deals, low risk type deals. It's a, uh, it's somewhat frustrating because, you know, you have Nolan Arenado, who you paid all this money to. Um, you committed to him for several years. Well, sort of, after giving him an opt-out. But, I mean, you still committed to him for several years. And, you know, this type of deal, this type of direction that the Rockies have been going in the last couple off-seasons has very clearly annoyed Arenado. Uh, it's severed the relationship between Arnado and the front office. Uh, maybe not severed, but at least damaged significantly. There has been, you know, public, not entirely public, but at least visible uh, feuding between Jeff Breidich and Nolan Arnado because they disagree about the direction of the team. Nolan wants to compete. This guy is a winner. Uh, this guy is one of the more dedicated players to winning in the entire league, and he's very frustrated because the front office has not been able to competently put a winning team around Nolan Arenado. I mean, even in the years that they were successful, they outperformed what they what they should have done. And uh, the front office has never seriously tried to to make themselves into contenders, or, or at least maybe they have, but they haven't done so in a competent manner. And Nolan Arenado is frustrated, and he is rightfully frustrated. So making small moves like this isn't very exciting for Nolan Arenado, and it probably is pushing him closer to that opt-out. Again, he didn't have the greatest season this year, but, I mean, he had the best defensive season he possibly could have, and I think his offense is still left in the tank. I think there's there's at least enough numbers to suggest that he could return to form in that sense. So, you know, if you're in a, a, a league where you need the highest top-end talent to compete, and that's that's true. You know, you have one of the greatest players on the face of the earth. You want to build your team around that guy, and you want to <laughs> use the prime of that player. You know, Nolan is in his prime, and if the Rockies want to keep Nolan, if they want to keep fans in the seats, well, at least return fans of the seats as that, um, as that goes forward, um, then if they want to maintain interest in the Rockies franchise, then they have to sort of move in the direction where they're at least competitive. If they give up on Nolan, if they give up on being competitive, then the fans probably start to become complacent. They start to care less about how the Rockies are doing. They, they tune in not as frequently. You know, the, the Colorado sports world is opening up the nuggets are 
going to become perennial contenders for the next two seasons. The Avalanche are already contenders. The Broncos are not, but they're a young team, and it's the Broncos. Everyone in Colorado watches the Broncos. So, you know, if the Rockies want to maintain their status as uh, a financial powerhouse, I think it would be in the best interest of Jeff Breidich in the front office to continue to maybe cater is the wrong word, but at least address the issues that Nolan Arnato is trying to fix. Uh, every other major league team in the league has had some sort of end of the season press conference and Jeff Breidich hasn't. He has ignored reporters. Um, he has ignored the media and in the same sense, he has ignored fans. He doesn't plan to address this offseason or address this previous season um, in a public manner, at least anytime soon. The, the only thing that we've got is, you know, that letter. Um, it's the norm to have a press conference every year. That they, every team does it. Every team in the league except the Rockies have done it. So there's, a, there's definitely some, some damage here. Breidich doesn't really have a connection with the fans currently, and he has severed his connection with Nolan Arenado. So, I mean, unless these connections are fixed, the future of the, the Rockies is somewhat grim. Um, and I'm not sure what what the Rockies are going to do to change that. So we'll see, and we'll keep monitoring that moving forward. But it's not great, and it doesn't look great as of now. Uh, well, I want to talk to you about our sponsor for today's show, and that's DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, this Sunday will be a Sunday like no other. With this weekend's major golf tournament, along with both professional and collegiate football, there will be no shortage of action. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, wants to put you in the center of the action with so many different ways to make it rain. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right, you bet. They cover with risk-free Sunday betting on all of Sunday's action. This weekend, there's plenty of action to get in on, so head to the app now to start making it rain. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings will have special promotions and odd boosts every day of this year's tournament in Augusta, Georgia. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code NHS when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right, you bet, and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code NHS during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So, in the second half of this episode, I wanted to discuss just a few instances around the league. Uh, just some news. So it looks like the awards came out, major awards, um, Cy Young awards were given out, and so were MVP awards. Um, Cy Young in the National League was Trevor Bauer. I discussed last week who deserved it, and I think Trevor Bauer had a very strong case, and I don't mind his uh, his winning it at all. I think he he deserved it, and that would have been my vote. Um, what was more of a surprise to me was that you Darvish finished above Jacob Degrom. I think all of Jacob's DeGrom numbers were a little bit better than you, Darvish. You know, it depends on what numbers the voters were looking at. I think if you combine all of the publicly available stats uh, between baseball prospectus, fan graphs, baseball reference, 
I think you would ultimately conclude that Jacob deGrom was the better pitcher, and arguably he was, I think Jacob deGrom had a, a better argument than Bauer um, for Cy Young, at least when compared to Yu Darvish. I think Bauer was deserving of it, but you know, DeGrom, uh, DeGrom was uh, the closer second between him and Yu Darvish. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm not <laughs> not up in arms about it. The right person won. So, uh, it's it was just a, a surprise to me. Uh, also receiving Cy Young votes in the National League. Um, no Colorado Rockies. You know, I was, I was actually surprised. I thought Marquez would have received at least a fifth-place vote over, you know, someone like Zach Wheeler, Zach Gallen, or... Devin Williams. Devin Williams received three um, Cy Young Award votes for fifth place. and I mean, he was probably the best reliever in the National League this year. It's just tough to give relievers the Cy Young Award, and it's tough to put him, them in voting uh, just based off of their limited innings. Uh, I'm not too, like, broken up about it. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just a vote. But uh, it was just weird to see how, I mean, Marquez put up really good, really good numbers. For Fangraphs, great war numbers across the board, uh, but he didn't really show up in in the voting. And you know that's what happens with Colorado Rockies pitchers. It's not too big a deal. Now uh, moving on to the American League, Shane Bieber won unanimously. Uh, he won all first place votes for Cy Young Award, and that was that was expected. He he pitched an incredible season. Every single game he threw pretty much was a gem. Uh, Maeda received 92 points. Ryu received 51, and Garrett Cole received 50. So this one wasn't really competitive. I mean, nothing I see here is out of the ordinary. Uh, Dallas Keuchel received votes as well. Um, Lance Lynn, Lucas Gilito, Chris Bassett. So uh, nothing too out of the ordinary. I didn't really expect that at all. I mean, there was a sh short season. Shane Bieber was clearly the first place uh, pitcher, clearly the best pitcher in the American League. So uh, that was that was a very very entertaining season to watch from him as well. And you know Shane and uh, Trevor Bauer were teammates on uh, the Cleveland Indians. So I mean, there's there's some precedent. You know they they pump out really good pitchers. Corey Kluber had a couple good seasons there for a while. Mike Clevenger uh, was excellent. I mean, he got hurt this season, but he's had some excellent seasons in years past, and I, I, I expect him to be very good moving forward as well with the Padres. So Now, uh, onto the MVP award totals. Well, this one was less exciting to me between uh, the American League results. I'll talk about that one first. So the top three was Jose Abreu, Jose Ramirez, DJ LeMahieu, and Jose Abreu ended up winning. I, again, I think I talked about this. You know, I wasn't really too shocked that he won. I think he deserved to win. Um, maybe not. He would not have been my pick, but he you know, he received 21 out of 30 votes, and that's pretty much the, uh, the overwhelming majority. So I think he – I'm not going to dispute that at all. He had an incredible season all the way around and was fantastic. So I think he, it was – it was good, but I think, you know, basically tied with him in my mind is DJ LeMahieu. Um, and I talked about it. I thought I was potentially a little biased, but, you know, when you look at all the numbers combined between prospectus, fan graphs, baseball reference, I mean, Jose Abreu and DJ LeMahieu were basically neck and neck. 
I mean, even if you take out Baseball Prospectus, which is a little bit less of a commonly used source, even though you know it's still it's still respected and reputable, they were they were neck and neck. Uh, so I would expect DJ LeMahieu to receive more than you know one first place vote. Uh, receiving more first place votes were uh, than him was Jose Ramirez, who I thought was very clearly uh, in a distant third place between Abreu and LeMahieu. So I was not excited about the results there, but hey, it is what it is. Um, but congratulations to Jose Abreu on his win. Uh, it was definitely deserved. National League was less contended than I anticipated. Freddie Freeman won with 28 out of the 30 first place votes. Again, if you look at wins above replacement, uh, and I think that's how you determine value in a most valuable player award. Mookie Betts had a really strong argument. And I think, again, I talked about this one. These guys were neck and neck. Uh, I would have voted for Freddie Freeman. And apparently 28 of the 30 voters agreed with that. Uh, but I would have expected a little bit more of a contended, uh, a contended vote here. So, I mean, again, it doesn't ultimately matter because Freeman was the best offensive player in baseball this season by a fairly large margin. Uh, but I think Mookie Betts potentially covers that ground with uh, how much ground he covers <laughs> on the defensive end. So, uh, I mean, all things considered, all in all, this was the correct result. I just expected a little bit more of a contended vote. Uh, otherwise, uh, this was uh, interesting. Mike Ostremski, someone who I was pretty high on coming into the season, ended up coming in eighth. Trevor Story finished 12th with 23 points. He had a couple 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th place votes. Um, and something that was uh, fairly fairly entertaining was that well, Ian Happ received an MVP vote in 10th. Um, Devin Williams received an MVP vote in 10th. And Ryan Tapera from the Cubs received an MVP vote in 10th. That was very unexpected. Uh, but... That the last one, the Tapera vote, was a misclick, <laughs> according to the to the um, the voter. But you know, it, was, it makes for a funny story. So that's the that's the voting, and that's what that's what happened around the league this week. Um, finally, uh, something worth noting is that uh, Kim Ng from Miami was named GM of that team. So that's a very uh, notable event, the first female GM in professional sports in America I believe is what they say so uh, she was definitely more than qualified she worked in front offices for the last several uh, several decades um, at least since 1990 was the assistant GM of, of I believe the Indians and Dodgers um, over the, the the course of the last couple decades so she was more than qualified um, so she I think she can turn Miami into a uh, a more successful team than they are they're already trending upwards so uh, it's going to be exciting to watch that team moving forward so thank you for tuning in to this episode of 20th and blake uh, it's your host Cade walker so follow me on twitter at Cade c walker again the nba draft is next week i'm doing plenty of coverage for that on twitter i just posted my most recent uh big board so the top 66 prospects in my mind so uh, definitely tune into that if you're interested in the NBA draft. Uh, otherwise, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.